This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. What up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. You guys probably haven't heard John and myself uh, in a few shows here because Justin Nipper and Carlos Toro are busting out all of the G1 cast shows. So they've they've put out two G1 casts uh, in the last two days, and I'll have their third one added to the second segment of this show. But yeah, John, you, you, they, they, I think they want to replace us, man. They've been putting out such good yeah, content. They're kicking butt, man. And it's tough to do. It's tough to follow. I haven't, I haven't really watched all of them. You know, I, I, like last couple of years, I've, I've only picked and choose a few matches here and there, and I still need to catch up on a couple more. Well, the last couple of years, you, me, and David Rubio, we were kind of keeping in contact and we're listing our favorite matches. And, but, it's so it was I don't know is it the date is it the time of the year that makes it harder to do that because we were we I mean I wouldn't say that I was always you know early the next day I may have gotten behind on one or two shows but I feel like I was pretty much you know in in tune with with uh with everyone with with the news and stuff and this year I'm like I like I still haven't watched last night's show yet I'll probably save that for the weekend because we got a little bit of a break but I, I don't know for whatever reason I'm just not keeping up yeah, me too. I just been just been busy and and tired earlier and and then, you know, uh have to fit in WWE Saturday night to watch review for the show, you know. Well, well, that that's what I was going to say is last year because the G1 was in the summer, we didn't have AEW and NXT on yeah. Wednesday nights yeah. during the G1 because it hadn't the, they hadn't started yet. Mm-hmm. So that that's the other caveat there. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I next week is going to be similarly hard because I think their shows. I want to say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So you got like three in a row. Mm. Um, but we'll see. I like like I I have a good grasp on things. I just haven't watched the matches as intently as I had the last two years when we were kind of keeping up with it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, once we get closer to the finals and stuff, I'm sure I'll be a little bit better, but yeah, I, I feel, I almost feel like, uh, I almost feel like I'm letting the G one down by not uh, watching as much as I want to. Yeah. I don't, I've mostly only watched all Jeff Cobb's matches. I just watched, uh, his match with Kota Ibushi tonight before our show, about an hour before our show I was watching that. And, um, that's basically it. I mean, I watched, you know, a couple of Tanahashi matches. I saw um, a couple of Jay White matches and stuff. But, yeah, I know. It's weird, but it's it's like, man, it's just so... There's so much going on, I think, yeah, because we have NXT and AEW. And of course, 
our WWE Saturday Night Review. It's just trying to fit everything in. If we didn't have any of those, I think we, that's, we'd be focusing all our energy on that. By the way, if my sound isn't as perfect, it is because I have my windows open because it is so damn hot in San Jose again. We were mm-hmm. over, we were, you know, we were almost at, I don't know, I think I, the highest I saw was like 93 or 94. So my window is open. I heard helicopters flying around earlier. So unfortunately, <laughs> if, uh, if there's a little bit of background noise, I apologize. Um, okay, so a couple of things before we get into our show. Uh, for those who have not yet listened to the John Moxley UFC recap, that is up. I think by this weekend, it will also be on YouTube. I'm going to put that entire show on our YouTube channel. Uh, so that'll be up there for you YouTubers who like to listen to uh, shows on YouTube. Uh, and then, and yeah, I think I've, I don't know if I've said this on other shows, but I, you know, we're definitely going to try to get Mox on whenever he's available and whenever there's a big time UFC show. He, it seems like he's has a lot of fun doing this and you know, we're, we're pretty low key. So it's, it's, it's not that he necessarily can do it in secret or anything. Cause you know, we're not in secret, but I'm sure there's no real pressure for him to deliver content and he can just chit chat with a couple of dudes who love MMA with him. So I, th- I think he gets a kick out of it. Hopefully we'll have him on uh, before the next UFC pay-per-view, but no promises. We'll see what happens there. Uh, so, did you have any thoughts on Harold Mage uh, resigning from New Japan? Um, I wasn't too shocked for some reason. I just felt like he seemed like a guy that might be in and out. Um, a lot of people liked him from, you know, fans liked him a lot. And I'm um, not surprised. I don't know. It's, now they seemed like uh, he was there to get things going a little bit and now now we got a new guy in there so um so i my like i i had known gosh i want to say since last year that i don't i don't know if it's two necessarily two strategies but when that g1 show happened in dallas the person who actually promoted that show was not Harold. It's the guy who is taking over uh, and replacing him. So it was kind of interesting because you have the, you know, the Japanese uh, person in charge trying to book a G1 show in the U.S. And it was kind of booked like a local house show, the way that they, you know, that I, you know, there was very, from what I understood, there was very little advertising. A lot of it was like flyers and, mm-hmm. you know, we, uh, Dave and I had talked to Lance Archer that week and he was really pushing it hard. But I always thought that that was, a, that was interesting, but also kind of a bad sign for Harold that that was the strategy that they chose for that show, which was, you know, it's the G1 at a basketball arena in dallas and they chose the you know someone other than harold to to really push for that so i sort of i I had known that there was probably troubles there and it was probably before that there are people who are way closer to this than than i am and yeah um and then the other thing that was pretty interesting is you know they're trying to get a 
US TV deal. I, I don't know the, what the scope of that is. I don't know what the possible cable networks are that are in the bidding or anything. I, I like I don't know any details, but I do know that they are trying pretty hard to get a US TV deal. And, you know, we, we know how heavily Access promoted them when, when they were uh, on Access and they did some US shows that you and I, you know, went to because of that. That was part of their expansion. And so I'd asked if Harold being gone hurt the negotiations or not. And from what I understand, it's probably neither here nor there. Like, it's that it's not going to really affect things. So I don't know what that means. I don't know what that says about him, but maybe people knew that he was kind of on the outs for, uh, for a little while. Um, so, you know, that was the main thing that I thought was like, Oh no, what if this U S TV deal kind of gets screwed up? Cause I know that they've been working hard on it and it doesn't sound like that is the case. So that, you know, that, that is a positive coming out of this. So, but yeah, I mean, that, that's all I know. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure we'll know more at some point down the line. Uh, I always thought he was, I, I, I met him, I don't know, two times maybe. And he seemed very nice. <laughs> it's funny because I always, so, I, I keep an eye on when I'm with Meltzer, Big Dave, I keep an eye on how people interact with Big Dave and I think the first time I met Harold, he was very much like, oh, you know, great to see you, Dave. And, you know, because Dave, Dave publishes content that is generally pretty high on that product. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's good for him to be in Meltzer's good graces, I'm sure. And the couple of other times... I don't know, this this could simply be just me seeing into things, right? Could be simply me, like, just, you know, seeing a certain part of this. But the other couple times, it didn't seem like he was too hot to, like, you know, make sure that, you know, he, he went up to Dave and was cool with Dave. So that, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that is even real. But that's just kind of what I saw the other two times. But, um from what I saw, he was a really nice guy, and I think he, like you said, the fans liked him, and part of his whole shtick was, uh, you know, making sure that the fans felt like, you know, that he thought that they mattered, and that's kind of, that's kind of cool from his position of things. I remember the MSG show, when we walked in, um, he was at the, basically the front, I mean, as we mm-hmm. walked into the building, he was out talking to people, shaking hands, taking pictures, he was passing out something to people, like I don't know, maybe like free merchandise voucher or something mm-hmm. they could use. Whatever he was, he was just uh, just right there, right when you walked in. Um, you know, as you know, that's going MSG. It's like up a bunch of different like like flights, right? It's like kind of like up in the it's up at top. And then some members just when we walked through the doors, there he was. And I remember uh, heartbreak. Hey, David Rubio was like, Oh, there's Harold right there. And <laughs> yeah, we kind of just cruised on by, but, uh, so yeah, yeah. You know, let's see. I mean, I, I think, you know, new Japan just keeps on going. Right. I mean, nothing's really going to change. I hope they get a U.S. deal. I still kind of pissed off about the whole access deal. Mm-hmm. I, thought that, I thought that was just stupid so, so- on, uh, uh, 
Anthem's part. I think they should have worked something out. But New Japan didn't want to work at Impact anyway, so yeah, yeah, it just wasn't going to. But why the, not? I mean, they could at least still have the show and still had more viewers because people were checking out New Japan, you know? So I think the only thing that I worry about is that, and, and this may be a really good thing for us as hardcore fans who will watch on the network and, and stuff is that the, maybe the, the expansion is a little bit more um, small time than what their goals were. Right. Because, we saw them at the Cow Palace. Um, there were shows in Long Beach. So there were you know, the show at MSG that you mentioned, and they were going to go back for a SummerSlam time frame mm-hmm. to MSG. And what I wonder is, is if you have Harold out of that position, that maybe their U.S. goals are a little bit smaller than that, and maybe they're not going to spend as much money to come to the U.S., I, I, you know, there, there were some interesting decisions that were made, right? Like, we, like we'd go to the show, and you're like, oh, why are they running the 5,000-seat know, building when they could have probably got double? But they, they were very conservative, and you know, they wanted to make it seem like the... I, I don't know if this was the case, but it seemed like they wanted to sell out, for one, and make it seem like, you know things were hard to get which they were for those first couple shows or that uh, i know i know that the uh, cow palace wasn't necessarily yeah. um full but they still had a lot of people there or that uh super j show that was that oh really small building it was like a house show house show with what 1500 people maybe less than that uh, remember we went to the one in san jose too yeah that was cool that's a cool event i mean it was a 2500 seat venue right yeah and so, and it's a little bit. I think it's for wrestling. It's twenty five hundred, I believe. But, uh, but it actually looked great. You know, it's like a nice little, nice little venue for a show. If they ever wanted to come back, I hope they do because that was that was a fun show. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, before we move on, did you by chance watch any of uh, Clash of the Champions or Clash of Champions? However, they no, name it. No, okay. I did not. I didn't watch any. I've been. I've been on the HBO Max kick lately, so <laughs> I'm watching, uh, right now I'm watching Raised by Wolves, which is uh, by the alien director uh, Ridley Scott, so it's been really good. I'm two episodes in, I'm pretty hooked, and I'm also watching, I just started watching with Katrina, it's called Love, Love Life, or Love This, I forgot, gosh, I've, with Anna Kendrick, it's like a little 30 Yeah, we watched that one, we watched that one, so, we got through that uh, whole season. Yeah, so we just started tonight and watched the first two episodes. I actually watched episode one of my own because I just wanted to check it out, and it was like 30 minutes, so I thought I could kick this out. And I thought, oh, Katrina would like this, so we're going to be getting to that show. HBO Max recommendation is if you want to trip trip out a little bit, The Vow, hmm. which is a documentary on a sort of self-improvement organization that became very cultish Mm -hmm. and i know a little bit about i I, so i did something very similar though it was not to to that level of of this show um so i sort of knew the language and everything going in and so that's why i'm I'm interested but uh crystal and i listened to a podcast last year about this group called nexium and their cultish leader 
and all the, the, the girl from Smallville. Yes. Yeah. Allison yes. Mack. Allison yes. Mack. Yeah. Like recruiting girls and stuff. So they have so much footage of Allison Mack in this documentary. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The footage of her. There's oh, a Grace Park, who's another actress. Uh, who people may know from uh, Battlestar Galactica and also from uh, a new a show that's actually currently on right now called uh, A Million Grace Little Park Things. From San Jose? I don't think she's from San Jose. Is oh, she? I thought she was. She's from Battlestar Galactica, right? She's Asian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, A Million Little Things with your boy. Uh, what is that guy's name? Um, who was on that US, uh, USA Network Psych, show that uh, you really like? Yeah, not Sean Spencer's his name from the show. <laughs> I forget his real name. Oh, uh, he's Pedro, a, he's Pedro a, Day. Yeah, Pedro yeah, yeah. Day. yeah, he, yeah. Isn't he? He's all. Is it? Is he like half his, Hispanic or something? Yeah, he changed his name to like a Spanish name, right? Mm. Or or his uh, or his didn't change his name to a Spanish name, but he's took on his uh, real name, I think, or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. something, but anyways, yeah. I think Grace Park. I think I think she's from. Uh, is she from San? Maybe not. Maybe not. Never mind. I'd be thinking so, of someone else. So if you, if you kind of want to get wigged out a little bit, it's very it's a very interesting documentary. The way that they do it, I, I like the podcast a lot better. But um, also, I've I've heard the podcast, so I know a lot of the stuff that's happening in the documentary. But they have great footage of this stuff. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, Alice Allison Mack was Chloe Sullivan in Smallville, and when we're thinking about names for our daughter, I like the name Chloe, mm-hmm. and that's where we got Chloe's name from. And you know. And I was, and then when she started going through this, I got like, oh man, I just can't. Do it. I don't know if I can watch Smallville ever again, you know. So, um, yeah. So the Clash of Champ. The, the the only reason I brought it up is because I was kind of interested in your thoughts on the booking of both the main event title matches. So Drew McIntyre against Randy Orton in this ambulance match, and. It was so... The booking was so weird to me. I mean, it made sense if you thought about the television. But basically, Randy Orton had no friends. Mm -hmm. And Drew... All of a sudden, you know, Big Show and Christian and Ric Flair and um, Shawn Michaels basically helped Drew McIntyre beat Randy Orton. I was like, but but this is weird. Uh, And, you know... It, it was it was entertaining for what it was, so I, I didn't really mind it. But I also thought it was just so backwards. And then in the main event, you had Roman Reigns against his cousin, and that was—I don't even know what the word is. It, it was there was a story. The Friday Night SmackDown was a great angle for these guys going into the pay per view. And Roman is obviously the number one heel. Mm-hmm. But the way that he just beat Uso up was it was like very it was like very violent for a non shoot professional. And it wasn't even in, in the stuff that they did, it was just in the emotion and in like his his mindset of the match. So not a yeah. It, the match was fine, but it was really more about the story and Roman Reigns's, you know, his turn to the to this dark side. But at the same time, you sort of understand 
because he's the he's the chief, he's the head, he's the head of the family, so he's got to provide. And you know, little, little cuz can't come and steal his spot because then he won't be able to provide for the family. So it's re- really interesting stuff. Um, I, I didn't like like we mentioned last time. I didn't really sense that this was going to be that important of a show to watch. And I just watched the last two matches, and I'm you know from what I understand from everybody in our group who was doing the chat that night they were like oh yeah it's fun you know the ladder match was good i know uh our buddy dave dutra like really liked that ladder match um so that might be another one to go out of your way to see but anyways just uh, whenever you get the chance uh, i'd ve- i'd be interested in your thoughts on just the, the booking of like both of those matches yeah i mean I, it sounds like to me the usos are going heel too and join up with reigns i'm guessing like a group mm-hmm because uh, it's like a family issue where one's going to be the big dog or the chief, right, of the family. So I assume the other two will follow in place. And that's another element for uh, Reigns to have. So that's, you know, that's another thing you can work off of and bounce off of. And, and you know, not to have Reigns wrestle every show. He can, they can His opponent could wrestle the, the brothers in various mm-hmm. tag matches and stuff. So um, the Randy Orton thing, I mean, it, it, uh, the next pay-per-view is Hell in a Cell. So my guess is just it's just a a bridge to get them to that point, right? Right. So Randy still has some steam because you know it took a bunch of you know people to kind of beat him in that ambush match where he wasn't pinned. So now he gets to uh, now they're gonna have a hell in a cell match. I I'm guessing I haven't really watched the like I said I've been <laughs> I've been catching up on shows and now it's October first. That means I've been watching a lot of scary movies this month leading into Halloween. So. I'm gonna try to. I'm trying to just kind of stick with AEW, NXT, and if something really picks my interest, I'll I'll, I'll tune into the the main card stuff, the main roster stuff. But, um, but yeah, I'm trying to trying to watch something other than wrestling because this is you know need a break. <laughs> okay, so uh, one other thing before we get to Justin and Carlos is that. At the night that we are recording this, most people will hear this uh, Friday in in the morning, but we record on Thursday nights, and tonight is the uh, 45 years to the day of Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier 3, the Thrilla in Manila, and if you've been reading Fight Game Media, you have seen Robert Silva's greatest fights of all time list, so... This dude, Robert Silva, wrote 50 essays on the 50 greatest fights of all time. And we put uh, the the first 30 of them, we put them together in uh, six posts because we did, I think we did five each just because, you know, we, we wanted to get down to the top 20 really quickly, quick, quickly enough. But he wrote 50 essays on the 50 greatest fights of all time. So think about all the, the research, all the watching. He had to really think about it. You know, he's got a, he's got a big t- tape library, but he's also got just the, the mind for it. And so we came down to the final one, and I delayed it for, two, uh, for a week so that we could post it today, which is the, the 45th, uh, 45 years to the day of Ali Frazier 3. So check that out. Robert wanted to come on, and I've, I've wanted, I wanted to bring him on to kind of talk about the series that he wrote. And um, it just, with the G1 and with all these podcasts that we're producing in this feed, I just don't have, really have the time 
to uh, to to call him up and 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 sit there and and you know I because I, I want to watch some of this stuff too so that we can kind of talk about it. I want to I want to rewatch Ali and Frazier one and Ali and Frazier three so that he and I can talk about it because because those were number one and number three of of his list. So we're gonna have him on at some point in the near future, maybe once this G one is over. And we can talk about the end of this list, but he's also got a, a new list coming out. I don't want to necessarily give it away quite yet. We'll, we'll probably give it away when he comes on, but that is the deal. So uh, so look forward to more stuff with Robert and read his essay on uh, Ali and Fraser 3. It's really good. All right, so uh, before we send it to Carlos and Justin, I want to quickly talk about DoorDash. On the last show, uh, or on the last couple shows, I, I've mentioned about how the twins have a birthday uh, tomorrow. It's it, they turn eleven, and how we use DoorDash so often that I think we're just going to use DoorDash to to get dinner for the, the the kids because the thing that Crystal has done with their birthday is you know on their birthday they get to eat whatever they want. So I think. Like one child is going for like Vietnamese food, so we got to order from DoorDash at the Vietnamese restaurant. He like wants like some roasted duck or something, and then the other kid is like KFC, and we're like, what? Like okay, like how do we get like all, you know? So I, I may I, I don't think I'm gonna have to do some driving. We'll see, uh, but. I think we're going to utilize uh, our friends at DoorDash tomorrow, and, and DoorDash will help us uh, get these meals to these children for their wacky tastes for their birthdays. Um, so right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery freeze on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order. Just go to the App Store and download DoorDash. Enter code BLUEWIRE for your $5 off. Viking Media presents the G1 Cast. With Justin Nipper and Carlos Twiddle. Yosh. Yeah, thanks, Garrett. Hey, it's Justin. You're listening to the G1 Cast presented by FightGameMedia.com. We're here for you with daily coverage of this year's G1. This is the third day in a row you've got from us. Day eight is in the books. Today's show is a second from Niigata, the ski resort heaven, from what I'm told. I've never been there, but I heard it's great for skiing. Had another set of B block matches there today in today's G1. The big news Carlos was right. Sanada defeated Naito in the main event. And Evil defeated Kenta in the semi main. What is going on with Bullet Club? We're going to talk about that later on. Uh, we're going to get to the show quickly. So before we start, you can follow Carlos on Twitter at Carlos Toro 360 and on the Carlos Toro Media channel on YouTube. And I'm on Twitter at Justin M. Nipper, K-N-I-P-P-E-R. And actually, tomorrow night, I'm going to be writing the recap for New Japan Strong on The Empire, F4W Online. So you can check that out after the show. It's going to be the Lions Break Crown Finals. Or sorry, semifinals. Excuse me, semifinals. Two semifinal matches tomorrow on New Japan Strong. 
Check my recap on The Observer, F4W Online. Without further ado, let's get to the show. We're back. G1 Cast, day eight. Back with Carlos. Carlos, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Really, really excited for, yes, to talk about the G1 again. And my God, I am so excited for this first half of, the, of today's G1 Climax show. But who boy. I was not expecting some of the stuff that we saw on that first staff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's been the story of the whole B block. I mean, not to, uh, you know, I'm not trying to downplay any of their talent, but when we look at the the card and go, okay, cool. I, I don't know exactly what to expect, but, you know, it's not like the A block where you go Takagi versus Ishii, JY versus Osprey. Okay, I know kind of this is going to be a big deal at least if you're already a fan, but today delivered, I think a little more than we expected. So let's just get right, get right into it. Get started. The first match today was the, I think the best of the quote unquote C block matches between Gabriel kid and Yota Suji, which ended in a draw, the first draw of this, uh, G1. Yeah. Oh my God. It was first time limit of the entire tour per se which i honestly did not expect i mean granted young lions only get 15 minutes and the g1 matches only get 30 but this was a phenomenal match like gabriel kid and yoda you probably couldn't uh ha- had their best outing in new japan up to this point which is really saying something because the matches that we've had up to this point between the young lions have been really really solid and dare i say so- better than a few matches in the G1 climax, which I'm pretty sure not a whole ton of people uh, would have expected. This was my favorite of their sets of matches, and, and I'm including Uemura too. I guess it's that kind of three-way set. Uh, they keep mixing uh, the matches against these guys, but Tsuji and Kid today, that, this felt like like a blow-off kind of match. It felt like a, a grudge match payoff sort of thing. And the first thing that signaled this feel for me was that when Tsuji was coming to the ring, I hear that music, the young lion music that it's that tune that sounds like kickstart my heart by Motley Crue, but it's kind of changed a little bit, but they all have to come out to it and they all, they dash to the ring, right? They run really fast to the ring and they get in, they're all pumped up. But tonight or today he walked, Tsuji walked really slowly to the ring and it was dark and you go, huh? Wow. He doesn't usually do that. What's going on? And then they started the match, and it was it was great. It was great. And it ended in a draw, and they didn't really let up after the bell, slapping each other, slapping each other around from that. What were some highlights from this match, you thought, Carlos? This match had a little bit of everything. You had some great mat wrestling. You got some, a lot of power wrestling between the two of dudes. Didn't have the, the, the Greco-Roman knuckle lock that we saw the day prior between Yuya Uemura and Gabriel Kidd, if I remember correctly. Uh, but this was yes. really damn good. Like, it was... It it had a little bit of it felt like the it encompassed everything that we've seen from Gabriel Kidd and and Yoda Suji throughout this entire G one and the ending sequence of this match was simply just fantastic. Like you had Kid hit a drop kick on Yoda Suji and Yoda Suji gets back up, hit, hit, counters an Irish whip into a really damn good looking spear. And then the two of them just start slapping each other and hitting each other with forearms. And they trade 
sequence that they trade pinfalls and Gabriel Kidd just go for that for a schoolboy right as the announcer was counting three, two, one, and time expired right as the referee was counting, I believe that was on count two. And then they just did not let up. They just kept slapping each other. They just kept going at it at the very end. And you're right, this felt like a blow-off in some regards. But at the same time, like the fact that they were attacking each other after the match, or they were they wanted to keep fighting. Like this really, really hypes up their their next encounter, which I believe they're they're scheduled to wrestle each other at least once more, if not twice more. This is a really good match. I highly recommend you guys check it out. It's easily the best match of the first half of the show. Easily. Absolutely. I agree too. I, I don't know if I mentioned it. I might've made a mistake. Usually the young lion matches are 10 minute time limit draws, but this tournament has them going for 15, I guess. So this was a 15 minute time limit draw. So the matches have generally run around six, seven, eight minutes so far. So this 15 minutes, even though it's not that long, it really added to the, uh, to the feel of the match. And I also wanted to mention, I think the biggest spot in this entire match was a slightly delayed body slam from kid to Suji. That was, you know, that's as flashy as you're going to get. And <laughs> it's pretty exciting to, to, we got a match that if that's as flashy as it gets, how can it be that exciting? Well, that's when you guys out there have to do your homework and go check it out. Cause <laughs> these ones are only, we can only explain so much because it's so rooted in like, it's closer to real or like realistic style wrestling. So it's a lot of hold for hold for hold for hold. And if we did that, we'd be here all day just talking about one match. Yeah. And anyway, and, and the good, and yeah. yeah, and really, and it helps that kid is such a very charismatic guy when it comes to wrestling inside the ring. Obviously we still haven't like seen what he can do with a promo or, uh, in new Japan, but he's such an easy guy to just start rooting for in the middle uh, of a match, just because of how intense he is. And that's something that the Japanese crowd really resonates with. He he has guts. It's apparent, and he gets you fired up. And you watch it. He starts screaming, "Oi, oi!" I mean, come on. Like it doesn't. We can sit here and analyze it all we want, but at the end of the day, that just rocks. That's pro wrestling right there. Gets you excited. Yeah. So cool. Okay, and then we jumped into the B block. First part of those matches, we had Juice Robinson and Toriano. Sorry, all the Yano fans out there, but Yano suffered his first loss of the tournament. To Juice Robinson in a uh, a battle of athletic tape and punches, mostly. And shirts. Oh, and shirts, too. Yeah. yeah. So, it, it's, uh, it, so it started with Toriano. He brings out the, the shirt that he typically wears, and then he offers one to Juice Robinson, and then Juice stupidly accepts it, turns his back on him, and then Toriano tries to go for a for a pin right as Juice Robinson was was, wear, was putting on the shirt. And then the entire match was just Juice being so pissed off at Toriano just doing that at the start of the match. And all I can think about is like, how, like, this is all on you. Like, you're the idiot that turned this back on Yano and you, you've wrestled Yano and you've seen enough Yano matches to know this is exactly what would happen if you, if you accepted the shirt and tried to put it on. That's true. Although, in the context of the story, yeah, that makes sense. But in the context of the bigger picture and more of like the, the Juice Robinson story in New Japan, I really 
I think he excels in these kind of matches. Like he's fun to watch. He was cracking me up when he's hopping from the ring yep, that, to the apron. Yeah, that, that was hilarious. He was kind of, he he's really good in that. And and not in a um so okay, we say comedy match if we had to like use this loosely. This was kind of a comedy match, right? But it didn't feel like like a WWE kind of comedy match. It he really showed off his personality and how he can connect with the Japanese crowd. He, like it's really it all depends on what's happening in that moment as opposed to like oh they they had this plan and they stuck to it and they hit point 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 and they executed everything perfectly it wasn't that it was more like these two guys are gonna they have a plan they're gonna be pretty goofy uh and they knocked it out of the park and juice is really is good for that kind of thing it doesn't go too far because this match was pretty short this match wasn't more than seven minutes um so it was fine for what it was but this was a yano match um that made juice robinson look uh stronger than a lot of the other people yano put over earlier so that's that's all i have on that do you have anything else you want to talk about on that do you have any predictions for yano for the rest of the uh, g1 carlos i think yano might win like one more match and that's about it uh, i don't think he's gonna yeah, be i wonder Naito. which one i don't think he's gonna be night though but i i think he beat him last year in four minutes, I was at a Corkin show, I think I recall. I have to do some research on that, but I believe he beat Naito last year during the G1. So we'll see. You never know. Oh my God. I that that be that be the day where Toriano, the king of pro wrestling, pins Tetsuya Naito in the G1 as the double champion. <laughs> I don't know if they would go that far. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Next match was also pretty short, too, like way shorter than I thought it would be. Um, Zack Sabre looked to chump out Hiroki Goto in like four or five minutes with European Clutch. And it started off as a cool competitive match and then just felt like it ended suddenly. And Jack, uh, Zach smirked into the camera and that was it. It was a pretty short match. I think the, in, the introductions were almost as long combined with the match time of this one. Yeah, so this ended up being three minutes and 59 seconds. And looking at them, by, by the way, I, you're right. This match was a lot shorter than I think anyone could have predicted. And this this nice little nugget comes from Chris Samsa, the great Chris, uh, Chris Samsa. And you can check him out on Twitter, at the Chris Samsa. And at three minutes and 59 seconds, if we discount all the super short Toriano matches, because that's literally all he does in the G1, if he just have really short matches, Goto and Sabre Jr. was surprisingly only the 19th shortest match in the history of the G1. Only the 19th? Yeah. Wow. So what are our top three? I, I haven't been able to sort of check that out. I don't know. I, I was really surprised that I, it was like there's 18 non-Toriano matches that are actually shorter. And if you include the Toriano matches, this was the 37th shortest match in g1 history whoa 37 that's my favorite number <laughs> well if you if we, we don't have the top three right now but if anybody's listening out there and wants to find that out and report it to us go to sport that's chris samson's site and if you can find it and you want to tweet at me or carlos or fight game media at fight game media just do that and then we can talk about it and we'll have a great time maybe we'll have chris come on and talk about you know 
top 37s. <laughs> we've just ranked, okay. we just ranked every single one of them. Uh, but but yeah, no, but the story of um, getting back to the Godo versus Saber Jr., it was really short, but there yeah. was a little bit of a nice story in there where you saw Godo with the right arm heavily taped up, and that's what Saber was pretty much working the entire match. It ended with with Saber going with a with a weird pin. I don't know how to describe the the pin itself, but it wasn't a submission. However, you could clearly tell that Godo's arm was being worked a lot throughout the match, and it's good because it now sets up for these remainder Hiroki Godo matches as to how is he going to be able to wrestle with a seemingly hurt right arm? And he hasn't been doing that well into the G1. And now he's got the losing streak now. Now he sort of plays into that babyface underdog spoiler where now you kind of tune in to see, okay, is this going to be the match where he overcomes the injury and he overcomes whatever wrestler is up against him? Could he maybe, you know, be the bracket buster the end this tournament that we've kind of seen Toriano be for a couple of these guys. Could be. And that, oh, that last move, that was European clutch. That Euro- was the, the pin that he used. European clutch. Um, right. um, yeah. I don't have anything more to add other than <laughs> I pretty much agree completely, but, and we'll have to see how it plays out. And I'm interested to see how, what Goto's function is in all of this, because at the, I think we'll only kind of know at the end with his uh, point score, because so far, it, it's hard to read where he's going. It was kind of the same with Sonata, but now it's a little different, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, that was cool, and that was short. I think we might have talked about it longer than the entirety of the entire match. Yeah. So <laughs> and half and half of our discussion was how short this match was. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the last three matches. So the next match. So I think they had the. Uh, this is when they do the ring break and there's a, a, an ad in all of these. They do the ads and they show the merchandise and they're cleaning the ring. So the I guess the, the B side of these cards, the last three matches, that's kind of where the the best of these G1 matches, matches all summer have been. And started last night with a really cool match with Hiroshi Tanahashi. And I swear, Yoshihashi, this was a really damn good match. I swear. We're... What'd you think of this one, Carlos? Man, we I think we just gotta admit to ourselves that Yoshiyashi is a good wrestler. I think so. Like he, he's had like yeah. three state three straight good matches. Like we can't even say, like, oh, for a Yoshihashi match, it's good. Like, no, this is like a good match, period. And and yeah. granted, it is against Hiroshi Tanahashi, and it's almost impossible to not have a good match, but Yoshihashi has been in a couple of good ones. I think three straight good matches throughout this entire tournament that I'll, I'll admit this was a lot longer, a lot more competitive at times than what I thought. I thought that there were some really good moments in this match where you can tell Yoshihashi is sort of now starting to elevate himself into the eyes of the new Japan faithful. There was he, Tanahashi went for high fly flow and Yoshihashi got his knees up and like, and it led to like a really fun like striking match between the two of them. And Yoshihashi even like kind of like dropped Tanahashi towards the end of that. And it was and there, it was a match where like you didn't have Yoshihashi like wrestle from behind from the very beginning. Like they had the they had him 
go almost 50-50 for several periods in this match against Tanahashi, who's an all-time great, who has looked really damn good throughout this G1. And what, what, what can I say? Like, Yoshihashi has really come alive, at, not just in the G1, but in the last couple of months. Like, he has been arguably, like, discounting the Young Lions. Yoshihashi may be the most improved wrestler in G1, in New Japan since the pandemic. That's fair to say, especially based on the past three matches that we were talking about. And this one included, this, like you said, it had that... 2.99 count. I think it was after the Kumagoroshi spot. I forget. But um, there were some really close calls in this match. It didn't feel like you were watching a, quote, Yoshihashi match. It just felt like you were watching a really good Tanahashi match. But it didn't feel like an entire carry job either. This was all 50-50. Both were great. Uh, I was almost convinced that Yoshihashi could win because... Uh, Tanahashi dropped a couple already, and he's a made man in New Japan regardless. So if he did lose, you know, it's Tanahashi lost. And, you know, he lost to Zoriano a couple of days ago. What's the big deal? But he didn't. He pulled off the victory. Good match. Almost went 20 minutes, actually, too. Yeah. I would I would recommend that for sure. Yeah, yeah. If, if you want to find a match, if you're, like, unsure and on the fence about Yoshihashi, and you want to convince yourself that Yoshihashi is good, this may be the quintessential Yoshihashi match to watch in order to turn yourself into a Yoshihashi fan. Yeah, this one or the evil match from a couple nights ago, because I think that also had it was easier to root for Yoshihashi because uh, evil and Dick Toga are really easy to boo yeah. because they do bad things all the time. They're cheaters. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, too. Actually, yeah. We'll like, the, good, that, like the good thing about right like, now? that match is like there's two sides to it, like the Tanahashi match. It made Yoshihashi look more like stronger, like a guy who's on Tanahashi's equal almost. And then the evil match was he works really, really well as an underdog babyface. So it's like two different sides to Yoshihashi, both equally good. I'm interested in the rest of his matches. I'm, I'm going to keep my eye on him. I think everybody should. We'll, we'll give you the Yoshihashi report as G1 cast rolls on. Next match was another. I really like this one too. Kenta and Evil. Evil snuck away with a despicable low blow victory. I don't know if it's despicable because they're both in the same group and they're both supposed to be despicable. But yeah, this was Bullet Club versus Bullet Club. And it was really good too. All of it. All the way through. And I really liked Kenta throughout this tournament. Uh, did you have any uh, impressions about the storylines that they're trying to kind of weave from this match? I mean, it's, it is a little weird, not just heel versus heel, but Bullet Club versus Bullet Club, but it's not even like joke Bullet Club versus Tom Bullet Club. It's like you, both Kenta and Evil are pretty high up on the Bullet Club chain. And only Evil had the second man to his corner while Kenta had no one. So in that regard, it's like it was a lot easier to root Kenta as a as quote unquote de facto babyface just because you kind of, like, you can't really boo both these guys, like, in a man, because otherwise, like, why would you be invested if you hate both of them? And Kenta looked pretty good. Like, this was a really good match. Lots of striking here, a lot of good kicks. Uh, it ended with, you know, as you mentioned, with the low blow. But before that, it was, so there was a, a ref bump. Not the worst ref bump in the world, but, hell, not even the worst ref bump that we've seen this week. But I digress. So 
Dick Togo was about to hit a low blow and Kenta goes for a go to sleep. And then all of a sudden, that's when Evil hits the low blow and then boom, one, two, three, and Kenta, I mean, Evil wins. This, I mean, Evil needed this win. Like he hasn't been performing that well as far as win losses are concerned in the G1. And he just came off a, albeit short, but still run as the double champion. So you needed to establish a little bit of credibility back into evil and beating Kenta this way, even though it was a little screwy, it was still the type of win that asserted evil back again as a top heel. Kenta, I mean, he's, it's a little weird trying to sort of see what to do with Kenta because he does have the IWGP US heavyweight briefcase, but obviously, you know, unless they taped Moxley versus Kenta, a while, you know, while Kenta was in the U.S. and they just have that match, like waiting until after the G1 and after he's done with the briefcase. And, and I don't think that's actually happened, but there really is nothing for Kenta to do because he's got the briefcase, but there's no chance of him cashing in for, for quite some time. So maybe that does set up another evil versus Kenta match down the road for the briefcase. But I, I don't know. It's, it's really weird to sort of see what the booking would be when it comes to two fairly highly ranked bullet club members now what i gathered from this match and from what they were pushing on commentary and from the context of now is that there was a, the story in the match was that there was a slight split and that dick togo wouldn't wouldn't show any uh favoritism towards kenta even though he's in the bullet club. and that went out the way he was there like, for evil not even halfway for the match yeah it was pretty and, and like you said kenta turned into this kind of default baby face or just lesser of two evils and i i didn't intend the pun but i'm gonna embrace it <laughs> um I finally just i actually just it just registered in my mind uh, the accidental <laughs> pun I love accidental puns. Um, <laughs> Kent, I think the story, I think what it feels like they're going towards is that there will be in the future a split or splinter within the Bullet Club and it will turn into a Bullet Club Japan versus Bullet Club USA type deal because they really hammered home the idea uh, that the whole, uh, what he has, he's not a, he's not the US champion, but he has the briefcase. Which I always bugs me when I see that briefcase. It's they. I wish they would just change the MacGuffin object to like a metal clipboard or something. It just looks too money in the bank to me. I digress. Sorry. Um, he's gonna be the U.S. guy, the U.S. lieutenant in charge of whoever's representing Bullet Club on in North America. Just speculating. And then you, you, it's kind of like the same vibe as the L.A. Noge Dojos. You got the L.A. Dojo guys lightly feuding with the Japanese dojo guys. It's not a direct feud, but it's something that can go on forever. And if they establish this and they do it right and they, and they, that might be the plan. I don't know, but if they do it right, then they'd have a built-in bullet club versus bullet club feud. And as far as marketing goes, I mean, people love wearing bullet club shirts. Then you, you just fractalized your, your revenue and you might double it in if you're thinking that way that might be how Bushiroad's thinking i don't know but it's starting to look like oh that makes sense i could see that but i guess we'll have to wait and see 
Now I'm curious about like, what are they going to, because it almost felt like to me, evil, well, before Jay White returned to New, uh, to Japan, it almost felt like evil was sort of the default leader, even though he was the new guy, just on, on yes. the basis of that he was the double champion. But now you're kind of getting into a, a position where Jay White's back. And, and I don't know if like evil, like as a character would just be comfortable falling back into the non-leader position back into a follower because that's kind of what he was when he was with Los Ingobernables de Japón. Like, it was the obvious that, like, Naito was the leader, and then Evil and Sonata and Shingo and Hiromu were were the guys that followed him. Yeah, and it's interesting to think about, too, because it was also, there were choices made on just what's going on in the world, the pandemic, you know. Jay White, I'm sure he would have loved to go and work in New Japan, but I don't think him or a lot of other foreign wrestlers were even allowed to leave their country. Just that's how it was. So it, they took something that they took a curveball and they turned it into something that might turn into something really cool down the road. We're halfway there. We're at the halfway point. So it's fun to speculate, but these issues will have to be addressed, especially that whole section of time when evil was the guy and Jay White was stuck in New Zealand. And, and and that's a real story that really happened and you can weave it into uh, the new Japan world universe or whatever, because that's just the thing. And I think we might see some kind of development of this down the road. And if we do get a Jay White versus evil G1 finals, I mean, that's, that's a great way to set up that angle. Yeah, the, the, but, the one thing that I am a little conscious of a little bit of is that where does Batlog, Fale, and G.O.D. fall into all of this? Because they haven't been in Japan since the pandemic. And we know that like a lot of this like Bullet Club infighting storylines that we've had over the years, a lot of it was centered around G.O.D., Tamatanga, Tangaloa, and Batlock Fale. So I'm curious to see where do they fall into all of this? If, if it's possible to see where they can fit into all of this. Yeah, with Fale, I, I don't, I haven't, I don't feel like I've seen him regularly uh, on TV, although I know I've read that he's working at, he has his own dojo in New Zealand. And I think he might be working alongside, alongside New Japan with training people or setting things up down in that area of the world. But Again, with the pandemic, it's hard to uh, organize the logistics. So I th- I don't know what his role will be going forward. Although the big dude in Bullet Club could he could be uh, supplanted by Hikuleo, who's back and who's been uh, on New Japan Strong. So I could see the New Japan USA, New Japan Strong shows being like the the brand beacon for that USA versus. Uh, Japan faction uh, storyline development between both Bullet Club and New Japan USA and New Japan uh, LA Dojo and Noge Dojo. So, well, again, we'll have to see. And finally, last match, big time match. This was this felt really big time to me. Sanada, you were right. <laughs> Yesterday, you predicted you predicted it before we went off the area that Sanada would get his first win, and he did. And he did with a moonsault. Yeah. Which is not every... I think the last time he scored a win with moonsault was last year in one of the uh, New Japan Cup matches. 
So shout out to Keiji Muto, the trainer. What's up, Muta? That was cool. It was, a, we almost went the time limit in this one. So how do you rank this among your other favorite matches of G1 so far, Carlos? The first 24 minutes of this probably would be almost near the top. But I do feel like we have to address what happened in the last few minutes. So both these guys were going at it really, really hard. And in wrestling or really any combat sport or sports in general, when you go at it really, really hard, you're going to sweat a lot. And both of these guys were glistening with sweat at the very end. And then there were moments where it got really scary where Naito was going to go for a Destino. And like, I don't know if, you know, if he just slipped while trying to get up or if Sonata was tr- wasn't able to catch him, but like he, he, he slipped and then they immediately have to go for the night uh, for the Destino again. And then Naito went for Gloria and then stumbled and he almost dropped Sonata on his head. Like, and, and I, I don't think it was because like the, the moves weren't, wasn't executed properly. I, I really do think that they were so sweaty. They weren't able to get a firm grip on things. And I don't know if the moonsault was the intended finish. They figured like, okay, you know what? We're not going to, we're not getting a good grip on each other. Let's just go for the moonsault and that's it. But before that, really, really good match. Like there was a lot of back and forth between the two of them. Sonata was really, I think it, like his energy was a lot better in front of the hometown crowd. We, we discussed this yesterday on yesterday's show where Sonata mm-hmm. in, in, front of a, in front of his hometown crowd always produces some really, really good matches. And it, it, and it felt like this wasn't like a 3-0 guy going as an 0-3 wrestler. This was a match where Sonata was treated by the fans as practically an equal to Naito. And, and, and Sonata finally did it. He finally beat the, beat the champion now. The question is going to be what's going to happen to Sonata as far as the rest of the G1. Because as far as I'm concerned, Sonata could lose every single match of the of the tournament and he'll still get a title shot because he pinned the champion. So now it's going to be how other wrestlers are going to perform against Sonata now that he finally got that win. I'm hoping it doesn't lead to another four and five record in the G1 for Sonata because man, I'm getting real tired of Sonata finishing the tournament with just eight points. Yeah. I, I don't know where he'll finish. I I just think that this big win will decide the rest of his uh, storylines for the rest of the year. I think, yeah, it's like he dropped a bunch of matches earlier on, but now we're going to think about him beating the double champ in the G1. And that's one of those things where, you can go the record route. You can write a story for a wrestler where they end up with a great record, or you can go another way where a wrestler goes their own path, but they pick up really important wins. Um, and I think fans seem to kind of, if it's done right, for the most part, fans will accept it, especially with Sonata where he already has a fan base and even if he drops a couple more matches, he's almost made man status. I don't know. That's something I feel, but I feel like I'll have a better, more definitive answer by the end of the G1. 
but this was definitely an important match for him and Naito too. Like, like you said, the almost all of this match was great. And I thought in ways it kind of reminded me, did you catch the Jingu stadium match between Naito and evil from maybe two months ago? Yes, I did. Three months ago now. So I felt like I had that, I mean, okay, it was a different vibe completely because it was the baseball stadium. But in general, as far as the wrestling goes, like everything was perfect up until there were some like, kind of botchy finishes that left that kind of left you with the anticlimactic feeling a little bit. And it was like I don't remember exactly what happened, but it was something where Naito was trying to do something, but there was like some slippage and it didn't look right. It looked like. It wasn't a total disaster, but it also wasn't perfect like you like the other matches have been. So, yeah, I don't know exactly what that was about. I probably should go back and look at the last five minutes again. But uh, it seemed like the crowd was forgiving when they saw the moonsault and lost it and Sonata got his win. So what it means down the road, not sure yet, but it was the Sonata show. Again, we got to reiterate this was a really good match, but... It, like you mentioned, like similar with the uh, with the match at Jingu, like this was a match where it was good, but you have, but like you can't talk about this match and not address the 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 bot the near botches in the last couple of minutes, especially with Naito almost dropping Sonata on his head because that was really really scary. Yeah. I don't know exactly what happened, so I don't want to say, say he should do this or he should do that, but I would maybe consider, you know, I, I noticed a lot of wrestlers kind of changing it up, like Okada using the money clip as his, this is his G1 finisher. Maybe they can switch it up so that he can use something where it's not dependent on how sweaty him and his opponent are. He can just do something, do a move and get it over and, lower the the botch rate the bot the possible botch rate i don't know i'm really going off the deep end now because <laughs> yeah. i have no well, idea i, but, I will um, say right before the the what happened at the very end i gotta say my favorite maybe my favorite spot in this entire match was sonata you um had he had naito in the skull end and he i maybe, maybe you can correct me i'm wrong but Sonata like tried to lock it in really good into the map and Naito didn't want to go down. So he managed to stay up. And then Sonata just picks up Naito and just spins him around the ring. And the crowd like went almost nuts or about as nuts as you can get like during the pandemic. And then he applies to the skull and there was a part of me that kind of thought, you know, not necessarily Naito, uh, tapping out but this that i thought like there was a good chance like that match could end with that spot right there with the skull end i like when he kind of teases it and kind of tunes it up a little bit like here we go this might be it and i think he had that and he got the crowd in his palm right there and i think that was maybe just their mastery i i, I need to really kind of rewatch that with more like uh, more laser eyes especially towards those last few minutes um might have to do that this weekend but that's where we're at right now with the b block and i don't think the next show 
from the G1 will be until next Monday. Yeah, like Sunday, Monday. Sunday, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, again, so. it, he's, Justin is on the West Coast, I'm on the East Coast, and we're talking about wrestling in Japan, so the schedules don't <laughs> always align. So um, right now have it up. Uh, next show is Monday, Monday, October 5th, and the matches are really good like on one side and on the other side it's like eh, take it or you can take it or leave it so we got Yuyo Uemura versus Gabriel Kidd and then you got Shingo Takagi versus Yujiro Takahashi then you got Jeff Cobb versus Jay White Kazuchika Okada versus Minoru Suzuki then Tomohiro Ishii and Taichi and lastly Kota Bushi versus Will Ospreay the main event is the one that crackles the most off the off the sheet of paper when you're looking at the match card. But um, I could envision this like today's card. It, you look at it and you either say take it or leave it or you say, hey, let's see what happens. Like Jeff Cobb and uh, Jay White. I don't know what to expect, but I expect something pretty damn good. Yeah, I but, mean, it's hard, it's hard uh, I, not I can't to say both these guys have had really strong G1s. But then again, it, it seems like there's always one, maybe two swerves. There could be a really short upset match. That's one of the things about the nature of this G1 is that uh, the shortened length of a lot of the matches, that's really creating a different effect uh, when you have those 27-minute matches towards the end. In, compared to last summer when a lot of the matches were running in a longer they ran a little bit longer. There was just more time. There was more space to tell the stories. This is a time-compressed G1. So I think all the wrestlers are adapting and the booking production committee or whatever is adapting too. And it's coming together tight. So we'll see some tight matches. And again, these cards have been no longer than two and a half hours. And I don't expect any that to be any different next week. So probably more of the same in terms of format and in terms of content. I expect it to be awesome. So for Carlos, I'm Justin. We'll see you next week. We'll be here on Fight Game Media. And right now I'm going to throw it back to Garrett. So Garrett, take it away. All right. Thanks to Justin and Carlos. They are cooking right now. They are right in the middle of this tournament and these dudes are having so much fun talking about the stuff, and it's great. Like I, I Justin will send me a a, a down a, a link to download, and he's so fired up, and I love seeing it because you know he he is somebody who you know he'd done a lot of writing. Like last year, I think uh, during the G one, he had like written write ups for like everything on uh, for Voices of Wrestling. I think that was the website that he was on. So. Uh, now he's kind of doing it in a different way, and he's got Carlos, and you know everyone knows Carlos uh, if they've listened to this show, big boxing guy, but also now doing the New Japan stuff. So two two guys who just love it, and uh, I really appreciate them uh, for sticking to it because this is this is not easy. It's not easy to record a podcast like every almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, imagine you know, I mean we've done we've done it to where you know we were doing a couple a week and and just thinking about it and planning it and writing the rundown and thinking about what we're going to say, like all that takes a lot of effort. So kudos to both of those guys. All right. So are you ready for our NXT and AEW review? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I will say from the get that my likes outweigh the dislikes for both shows, but there's a lot of stuff that I was just kind of flat on. 
um, that I'm not going to bring up. Some people may like it. Some people may not like it. And I just thought, oh, this was kind of flat. It was okay. Not great. Not not bad. Um, but that was kind of my thought process with both shows. I thought, gun to my head, I probably enjoyed NXT uh, a little bit more than AEW for a different reason than, you know, it's not like those shows were, were the same or, or anything. But, uh, I, yeah, I mean, you know, I last week we said it wasn't a great night for a Wednesday night. Uh, the week before was a great night for Wednesday night. And this week I was like, eh, there's some good, some bad. <laughs> it was better. <laughs> yeah. But I, I didn't week. feel like I wasted my time. No, no, it was, it was, it went, it went by. It went, I'm just. I always wanted to be better than last week because last week was just just a bad week of wrestling. But here, you know, it wasn't uh, wasn't too bad. There was a lot more likes on my list than I had last last week. So that's a good thing. All right, let's let's kick it off with NXT. I will say that my first like, there was some trepidation because I you know I I've I think I've said here many times that I just really get a kick out of Shotzi. I think she's a breath of fresh air. I think she's improving. And she had, you know, a great heel to work with in Dakota Kai. Not that they had a fun match, a fun opener, until they almost killed each other on the apron. What I mean, the not, hell was that? You mean Shotzi almost killed her? Well, she, killed yeah, herself. she almost not, killed not, herself. Not Dakota. Dakota but, wasn't the issue at that spot. But, like, what the, like, that, that, that move. Well, it's not like it was going to be a finish. It was just going to be like a transitional move, but I, I just didn't understand it at all. Yeah, she's she just didn't get you know rotate over. I mean, it, she can't. She, she, I don't think she's that that good of an athlete to do that. She's you know she's not. I'm not saying she's a bad athlete. I'm just saying she's done this before. I've seen an evolve at that special they had on on the network where she wrestled uh, Brandy Lauren. They had a didn't even happen. I think they just bailed on it because it was just a cluster. Um, and here goes then she spikes herself on the, on the apron with the, you know, going over for the sliced bread and, Mm -hmm. and, and she goes over and she goes straight down. It was scary, but you know, she was okay. Luckily, um, I thought the match was okay. I didn't think it was, uh, anything special. There was, there was some stuff that was kind of mistimed and, and stuff, but you know, it was, it was fine. Uh, where where do they go with her? Because obviously she had her shot with EO. Um, but she can. Is she gonna? Tur- she's not. She shouldn't turn because no, I think she's no. a great babyface. But with the with the with the babyface champion, I mean, maybe if, if if like what you said happens, which is you think Candace is gonna win, mm-hmm. then maybe she then maybe that could be a program where she she faces the heel Candace. Yeah, that's where I see with um, I, her winning tonight or last night just kind of put some more belief in myself that, uh, you know, Candace is going to be EO. And um, and yeah, I can see them, her down the line, maybe a closer to Halloween episode on NXT television, her, you know, challenging for the title because, you know, Shotzi has... That Halloween look, you know, she's darker character, um, the makeup, the hair. Um, she was on a show locally, <laughs> on a creep show he locally in San Francisco, or, you know, Coffee 20 here, where she was like on a... Coffee 20. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, the public access, uh, one of those creep, creature feature shows. Like, she was part of the, the skits between, and 
and kind of how she's well known around here for that. So um, kind of makes sense that they kind of put her on, um, which I think would be the 28th because my birthday is on the 29th, which is a Thursday. Yeah. So yeah. So that'll be the 28th. Um, you know, if, if that's what they do, I mean, I could see that like closer to Halloween, that kind of a, a title shot there. Um, so the next, actually, what, what was, what was on your list? I'll let you go next. Um, my number one was the Kyle Riley prime target segment. I thought that was yep. freaking awesome. I think awesome. it was the best thing on the show. Oh yeah. It was, it was great too. And, um, really dug this. Um, I was already pretty excited for the match itself. I thought, cause I know it's going to be, you know, cause the two guys are really good and I feel they'll have the right chemistry to have a great match and him and with, with Finn Balor and Kyle Riley. So this just added some really good steam to it like oh man this feels like a big a big opportunity for him and and what he's been training for and ready for this match so um i'm pretty pumped for takeover now just from the switch from prime target and for this main event so i'm getting daniel bryan vibes a little bit from Mm. him in that he's he's somebody who you always respected you never thought that they were necessarily going to push him in the singles uh, contender role. And he is a little bit of an underdog. I wish, because it sounds like from what Triple H says, it sounds like this was going to be in the plans. Mm-hmm. But because Cross got hurt, maybe they had to speed it up a little bit to get to where they are. I would have loved to see whatever the longer term story was with him. You know, for how how he actually decided, you know, how they decided to finally give him this shot. I, I think the story is cool now. It, it's like to, it totally works, but it makes me wonder, like, oh, I wonder what they had plans for. You know, let's say if this was going to be early next year or something. But I just I thought that segment was awesome. I I liked the so I kind of combined this with the sit down. Yeah, I had that like I had that number three to sit down. I, I like the sit down. Uh. A good amount. I, I think it was different. You know, it was different than your normal sort of. It, it kind of re- reminded me of um, HBO boxing would do these face to face segments where they'd sit the fighters across from each other, and you know, the, the, there would be like this really dramatic music, and Max Kellerman would ask these questions, and they would have to just stare at each other. It wasn't as intense as that. But it was it was it was very similar, and so I thought that worked. I, I don't know. I mean, I thought Shawn Michaels just got killed on Raw, but I guess he's okay. Um, but otherwise, I thought I thought all that stuff was really well done. And I will say, I was looking forward to the match, and I'm looking more forward to it now, which is how it's supposed to be, right? The promotion should make you even more excited for the match. Yeah, I I, I like the face off too. I kind of like that they showed both Ben's personality and. And um, I like Finn just straightforward. Like, I'm the man. You have to go through me. You know, you're just, you're dreaming. You're good, but you're dreaming, basically. Mm-hmm. And and uh, he's such a great champion. And he's just on he's just on fire this year. And Kyle was good, too, because, you, know, uh, you know, he's going babyface. Same with Cole. Um, and I'm, I'm sure they're going to do something with Roddy and the fish. And that there's going to be a program there. Um, so like at the same time, Kyle, they haven't really shot that, right? They haven't done, there's not a full turn at quote unquote yet for, for, uh, Kyle and Cole. So like, he's still kind of arrogant, cocky here too as well. And, you know, 
but confident though. You know, like he 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 knows in his heart that he can beat Finn Balor, and and he's ready to he's ready to do it. Like you know, he doesn't want to be positioned as underdog because he doesn't feel he's an underdog. He feels mm-hmm. like he can easily defeat Finn and um and be the new champion. So yeah, I'm pumped for this. This is this is this is good stuff. This is like stuff that I just I love and. Uh, you know that, like I said, that prime target segment just put a tear in my eye because that's the stuff that I was just dreaming about if I had the budget with Premiere mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, so they get to do it because they have the money. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so another thing that I liked, and I more so liked this rather than really liked it, but I thought Adam Cole and Austin Theory was a, a good match. But I wondered if you thought. After what we'd seen with Theory in some of these matches where he's competitive, but he, you know, he, he, he gets beaten by the, the better wrestler, I almost feel like he got the better of Cole for this match much more than he got the better of, uh, I think it was Kushida and Bronson Reed. And so I was wondering if you thought, because you'd made some comments about some of the AEW stuff where you think the, guy, the, the stars are selling too much. I wonder if you thought the same about this, because this was a pretty long match, though I like Austin Theory, so I was, I, I was into it. I, it did, in the back of my mind, I was like, mm, didn't he just get beat like in half the time by somebody else just last week? Um, I had this on my second. I liked this match a lot. I thought that was really good. Um, the differences between theory and the guys in AEW, the the evil Uno's of last week and uh, Isaiah Cassie this week, like Austin Theory's main event talent in the future. So uh, having him be competitive with the Cole in this situation because you don't want him to get beat like because she'd have beat him every week, right? That wouldn't mm-hmm. be that wouldn't be beneficial for him. But like showing him, like yeah, that was a bad night with Kashida, but here being competitive. Um, with Cole was a good thing, and you know I know they're beat, they're beating him right now, but they have a plan I'm sure, and that I think he's going to be a top guy, um, not just in NXT, but I think in the future. I think the best thing that happened to him maybe was just the the, 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 the drama he got involved with and taken off TV for Raw and then brought back to NXT because I I felt like obviously he was rushed to the you know main roster during the shortage of talent in the COVID time, but like I think here he has time to to be groomed and be built up and I think his kid's great. I think he has a great obviously a great look. Um he's uh he could talk really well. I love his promos. I love his attitude. Um I'd like to see him with someone though. Like like I don't know about Gargano, but you know I keep thinking Gargano would be good with him, but I don't Gargano didn't really impress me this week, so maybe I'll well, so so yeah, so I was gonna say the main event as a maybe a casual viewer match, I thought the main event was fun. Yeah, yeah. But if fun. you were a hardcore NXT fan, I don't know if that match was as fun as if you weren't. Because there was some fun stuff in it, and there was also stuff that was kind of bothersome, like whenever I see Candice run the ropes. Mm-hmm. But overall, you had Johnny just being so small heel, gimmicky, getting his ass kicked by the by EO constantly, mm-hmm. and then like I, I one or two time, like one time, I think is cool or, or interesting, but like all the time, like well, I think because she's losing, they're giving her something here and and 
Yeah, I mean Johnny is playing his role well. He's a smaller heel. He, he has to be the bump around guy, even even for EO. But it's 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 not done where she's not body slamming him or anything like that. The German suplex, you know, he's gosh, he's about the he's about the same size of her, really. Yeah. So I guess it's yeah, not he's, too he's bad. probably only outweighs her by like. But the springboard dropkick stuff, um, even the German suplex stuff wasn't too bad um but he just, just Johnny Gargano to me is like Eddie Gilbert was as a heel smaller heel who bumped around um he's not the promo that Eddie Gilbert was but like as a bumper yeah sure as a worker yeah he's 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 good just like Eddie Gilbert so I think he's doing a good job as a heel I just I just don't know I don't know this is we'll talk about my dislikes but um I don't know this week I think he missed for me for some reason mm. but but I did the tag match is fine. It was on my likes or even on my not even on my dislikes, but I I just thought the cool factor of Damian Priest and EO together really worked. Like mm-hmm. he looked, you know, Damian Priest is just cool. He just he just just a cool dude. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a great vibe. I thought their promo in the backstage was really well done and played off their personalities well. And then the entrance. I was wondering about the entrance because because you know the the Garganos came out together with Johnny's music, so I was wondering how they're gonna do. The baby faces, I knew it was going to be separate, but I loved how they combined the Damien Priest's arrow, the music hits, but now it's EO's music. And then that that music was perfect because it's such a chaotic sound. And like they take the belts off, they run to the ring, and they start, you know, going at it with the, the Garganos. And the, I just thought that opening was great on that that part of it. But yeah, it was like a fun match. A nice little preview for, you know, what's coming up on Sunday. And accomplished something. Uh, I was wondering if he was going to take the fall, and it was telling yeah. that, you know, I I think now I know what's going to happen. I, I'm pretty confident Priest will retain. Mm-hmm. And I think Candice is the one that um, wins, which, like I said before, I think it'd be an interesting dynamic where Johnny's not the one as a champion, but Candice is. Mm-hmm. So now, and I think it'd be cool, if, maybe if, even if Austin Theory was put in that group, like, you know, then Johnny needs to get something. He needs something. So now he finds this young kid. He wants to groom in his image and build him up. But then, like, maybe there's some jealousy with Theory and Candace. I mean, you could play. You could have a lot of fun with it if they decide to go that route. But, uh, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought the thought the tag match to me if it was it was fun, like you said. Uh, okay, so did you have anything else on your likes list? No, or that was it. We, it well, dude, again, the same. <laughs> well, I didn't have the shots you can't. But overall, though, I mean, shoot, we're yeah, on. Yeah. The, we're on this. I, I just, but I just, that was the I, plus. I, 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 I dig her a lot. I think, I think she is a baby face that we don't often see that much anymore. Which is someone desperately trying to be, be be a baby face and someone you can get behind. A lot of times when we see that someone desperately trying to be a baby face, they're, they're corny or whatever, but I, for whatever reason, she just has that likability factor for me. Well, that's Shotzi. I mean, that's her. That's, that's her personality that comes through. You know, they're not holding her back. I wish they would hold her back in something. Like, wish she would stop doing yeah, that, that gig. Move. That, not that slow. No, I'm talking about her entrance. She does this. She has her two fingers. She scrapes across her forehead like a gig because, you know, that's a shout out to her hood slam buddies. Oh, that's what that is. Where they do that. That's like their fucking stupid bullshit thing. And it's like, <laughs> I'm surprised no one said anything. I tell her to stop that shit out right now because that you're just, why are you like, you know, doing a, a, a cut with your razor blade? Like, mm-hmm. and that's not how you fucking do it anyways. Like, so... <laughs> just stupid and you know it just is but yeah so every time i see her do that just drives me fucking insane because i think it's just so so lame so indie but 
I like Shotzi though. She's she's a cool chick and she she really works hard and 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 stuff and she really wants to make it this business. I think she's pretty passionate about it. So all right, let's talk about the dislikes. So I see Cameron Grimes on the stick. <laughs> yep. I'm like, oh, this is cool. He'll be able to kind of talk, you know, give his personality. He'll he'll be able to talk this whole segment through. And he, you know, the first guy comes out and he, he calls him the you know 85 pound champion or whatever he called him. And then when your boy came in, I was like, hmm, what are they going to do? And you know, Grimes kind of begs off, begs off. And then he just gets beat up, and then this match starts, and then he gets beat up some more, and then they call a disqualification. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's the disqualification for beating him up too much? Well, he didn't break the count. Yeah, I, I guess, but it, it was just, it was just like, okay, it started. Like I was like, I'm kind of excited, mm-hmm. and then it just ended, and they moved on. I was like, hmm, okay. No, I didn't like. I, guess this. I gotta wait till next week. I didn't like this either. Um, I had on my on my dislikes list as well. Uh, first of all, okay, so Cameron Grimes comes out. And cuts a promo about, you know, he got screwed out of the gauntlet to the the gauntlet challenge where they was he was, they were calling it. So now he's had the gauntlet to the moon, right? Yeah. That's a, and so he brings out this kid who I've seen on MLW. I think he actually is a legit little uh, amateur badass, uh, but mm-hmm. he's really small. And he just crushes him, right? Which is great, right? And he's like, oh, man, that was tough, you know? Like, and then now comes the next guy. But then Ridge Holland comes right out. Right, like, where's the heat building in the segment? Like, maybe he should have beat a guy or two like that. Right, here comes another guy he makes fun of, who comes out and then he just beats him up, you know. And there's another guy, and then Ridge Hall, like, is there anyone out there? You know, like, you know, he's just gloating about how badass he is, and all of a sudden Ridge comes out and like, oh damn! And then Ridge just bumps him around, and then he bails. Right, not not. I didn't like the finish. The whole disqualification thing was stupid. Um I think Rich just came in and bounced him around, you know, and then he bails on him. So now you have like a a, a match now for the future. Mm-hmm. It just didn't like the the disqualification part. I thought they got too cute, and it wasn't cute. It <laughs> wasn't cute at all. It just was. It just ended kind of ugly. But my main my main issue was it was that just like okay, you're doing a segment to the gauntlet, like let it build up some mm-hmm. heat. Give, let him go through a couple guys, you know. And there's some hard edits going on this this episode in this pro, you know, the, obviously it was taped last week. Yeah. And like, did you see when Ridge threw that guy? Like, there's like a hard edit, and all you see is that guy like bump, you know, oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah, something must have happened there. I don't know that maybe that guy just took shitty bumps or something. I don't know, but it was just like, it was like, a, oh my god, that's a that's you usually don't see those really hard edits with WWE too much, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they, I agree. This was this was just uh, this is all in all rotten. All right. What was what else was on your list? Just that inter- backstage interview with John Johnny Gargano and Candice. Like, I can understand what they're talking about. It was low. Like, I thought the sound was low, and I couldn't get over Candice's makeup. Like, she looked like the like Great Kabuki had less makeup than Candice LeRae. <laughs> I just couldn't get it. Couldn't. I just couldn't get over it. And I'm like, but I don't even know what she said. Like, I, I don't know what they, they're talking about. It was kind of just really low and really poorly produced i thought uh segment so that's that was my uh that was my number one dislike i didn't understand it and i didn't feel like i needed to rewind it and try to understand it that's how i felt too i was like okay and um let's just let's just 
move on to the next the next deal. All right. So the only other one I really had was um, the and and I hate I, I you know I hate picking on these these women matches, but uh, the Caden Carter match, I, I some of it was okay, but I when I watch um, when I watch this match, I was okay. I was okay. And then one of them went into the ropes, and you could almost see them. I, I don't. I can't remember. It may, it may have been Carter. She was either counting her steps or she was like thinking through the next move that she was going to do, and there was like hesitation. And so that kind of like I was like, ah, I hate it when I I hate it when I can tell really what 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 you know that there's going to be hesitation before the move happens but then when they got to the finish and they tried something pretty creative but they just didn't it just didn't look great like that that also stands out and so that was really my only other negative on this show was just um in like cool attempt to do something cool because i think both women are are fairly athletic but just it didn't. It, it wasn't great. Not. This is another one of those things where I wonder. I was like, I wish, you know, I, I wish this was uh, Triple H coming out going, you just do the finish again, you know, because it was like, <laughs> oh, it was a cool finish, but then they didn't do it great. Yeah, this was on my dislikes as well. It just was, like you said, it was. It felt like practice in a way. It felt like, uh, you know, but, but both girls are extremely green. So, yeah. I mean, but it just just wasn't interesting. It's it's a, and Zia Lee going heel is something like no one wants or was asking for. So that's another, I mean, maybe she'll be a great heel. Maybe I'm, you know, but like, I just, I'm just, they're just not interesting. These two girls yet. I mean, they didn't really, like I said, they're kind of just throwing them out there. I wish they would have kind of just had some build up. Like all I know is about Katie Carter is that she's friends with Kate Canizaro and they're in her like a tag team. And they mm-hmm. were like, they were like to hug each other before the matches. And they're just really supportive of each other. And that's all I really know. And Zia Lee, I just know she's, you know, from China and she, you know, Mars the martial arts background. So um, instead of like throwing him on TV in a, in a, in a cold match, um, I would just have maybe some more vignette stuff. And, and um, I don't think you have to have two women's matches just to have two women's matches each show. Um, I think it's okay to kind of give that time. So why, why not throw a Bronson Reed squash in there or, or, you know, I, don't, I know this was two weeks ago, and there's there were some COVID issues, so I don't know who was all available. But um, you know, why not just whoever was like, give him a squash? You know, give, you know, do something uh, with with someone there that you kind of uh, of, of the men you could feature. If 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 it's not really worth getting these girls out there just now, I mean, I don't know. For, it just seemed like a waste of time. And I think this is probably. You know, it's the two-hour show, right? Like you, you need segments to fill out the show, and they they were pretty light on stuff. I, I thought, you know, that sometimes the show almost seems like it's too fast, and they have to get through so much. Today, they kind of pulled that back a, a, a bit, but it might be because of what you said, because you know, both companies kind of dealing with the COVID stuff. Well, there's there's long matches, you know, like uh, I think Cole and Theory was pretty long, right? That was a the longest match, and um. Actually, well, Kushida wasn't long. That was a quick squash yeah, over Tony squash. Nice. Tony Nice, his poor shoulder. Yeah, or I elbow. like that. I like. I mean, it was on my. It didn't make my list, but I did like seeing Kushida with this aggressive uh, style. And they got to get more creative with the dream stuff, though. The second I saw the interview, I was like, fast forward. I've only heard this same interview five thousand times. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. They need to do something, something with him. But um, I hope Kashida kind of comes out this match uh, as a winner, and I because I kind of want to see a, a Balor Kashida match for the title. You know, even if it's not on a takeover, maybe for, for to tell. I think it'd be a great television main event. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think the way that they've been building up Kashida as this like really pissed off, uh, you know, great wrestler. I think is is really compelling. I think, you know, a couple weeks ago I said that it was like my favorite thing of the show was like angry Kushida. And obviously he's not there to necessarily become their champion. He's there to be a name to eventually put somebody over. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's how they're, they're kind of using him sort of like how they used uh, Chris Hero in, in a similar way because he has that reputation he's got some wins in his column from just coming from where he came from but i do hope in creating that story where he does eventually help someone get over he's got to have wins too and i think beating dream would be awesome because like you said then it's then the next person he faces he can lose and it really it really does mean something to this audience at least to this nxt audience i mean I can see Dream winning because there's a there was some tease of Balor versus Dream, but at uh, you know about right before I think right before uh, no during the COVID time, right? Remember he kind of interrupted each other, so I can see them going to that match, you know, as well. So there's just some history there, but um, I hope not. I hope uh, hope Kushida comes out the winner of this one, and and that'd be cool. Like I said, I think it'd be a cool television main event would be uh, Fame Balor and Kushida. All right, let's quickly talk about our friends at Bet Online. So, John, I don't know how much you're paying attention to this wild card baseball wackiness that that we're seeing. I'm still depressed after uh, <laughs> Giants losing the last three games of the season. So, oh, uh, that was yeah, that was rough. Uh, unfortunately, the Dodgers did win again, so that they're going on to the next round. Um, <laughs> they. The, the, you know, this whole thing about this playoffs is crazy because there's no day offs during the the series. So, you know, the teams play three times and it's three games in a row. There are days off until the next series, but the next series is a five gamer mm-hmm. and it's five days in a row. There's no days off between games and it's going to be the same thing with the um, NLCS and ALCS. So it's like seven games straight with no delay. So this whole thing is crazy, but like if you're uh, someone who bets on stuff, you have baseball playoffs. Obviously, football is king, and 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 it's still going, even though you know two teams had to cancel their game because one team ha- had some COVID issues. And then you have the basketball NBA finals are one game in. Hockey just ended, unfortunately, or else you would have had all four going at once. But man, like what a time to, to be on bet online to, you know, to just, you could bet everything right now. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, um, you, you should have bet on the Astros to sweep the twins. <laughs> My poor brother-in-law from Minnesota, man. God, that's, that's, what a heartbreaking result. <laughs> I think the twins have lost something like 19 yeah, games in a yeah. row or something like that. It's, uh, it's crazy. It's sad. Okay, so head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use your promo code, which is BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's a Blue Wire, all in one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 
All right, now let's get to this AEW show. AEW as well has been hit with the uh, with COVID-19. They were supposed to have that match last week that they had to change out the Eddie Kingston match. And um, when when uh, Justin and I asked John Moxley about that, I, I sort of raised a question that our buddy Paul Fontaine raised, which is sort of like the style of, of that match. Like, was John trying to do a little bit more of like a new Japan style or what was the idea for the match? And John just decided to tell us the whole story of like how he even found out that he was facing Kingston. So definitely go listen to that show. If you want to hear uh, his answer to that question in our bet online pro wrestling question of the show. But, uh, but yeah, you know, they similarly, they, they had an issue and I think it probably changed this, these last two tapings. So instead of, what what we thought was going to be a great six man last week we saw Kingston and Moxley and this week I'm sure there would have been something that would have played off of that six man but instead we got Moxley and the Butcher the Butcher did you did like did you have any idea who was going to be in that main event no I didn't care <laughs> I was I was like whatever I, I figured it was going to be one of the one of the this unlikely group of villains, this rogues gallery. I thought for villains. some reason I thought it was going to be Pentagon. Like that was my guess before the show uh-huh, started. Uh-huh. I, Just I because didn't... he's he's the more like like Phoenix is is like the more high flyer, and Pentagon's like a little bit of like the the meaner brother. But I did not expect the butcher. Yeah, I think if Superman can go across the world backwards and make time go back, I think they should have had him do that because. Um, this was a pretty bad main event, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I butcher. Well, yeah, we'll talk about it as we go. But um, it's all my dislikes of. I got a few on this show. Yeah, I, I didn't like it or dislike it. I was just like, okay, I sort of understand, but I think that I think they could have done better. You know, like that was kind of my thought. But OK, so let's actually well, why don't we go to dislikes first? Because since we're already talking about it, since this is on your dislikes, talk about why it's on your dislikes. Well, I think it was just poorly. I mean, I, I complain a lot about AEW not having enough time for main events. And this is the this is the show they give some time to a main event. And it's the wrong guy to give the main event to uh, time to a main event to um, the butcher is uh he looks great. He has a great phenomenal look. He just he looks like a throwback villain in a movie mm-hmm. um but he's good in spurts he that's why he works so well in yeah tag teams. he's great yeah he's good in tags that's having him go 14 minutes is just a disservice for him like it should have been cut down on this should have been like an eight minute match it should have been more smoking meters a lot more brawling um butcher I mean, it was hot and humid there as as jim ross was pointing out throughout the night so i mean he, he got he got gassed and um, you know, he doesn't work singles matches at all. So, you know, his, his tank is was running low. And I mean, he was just he was just making some mistakes. My favorite part was he was choking. He goes attempt to choke Moxley on the, the second rope and, you know, drape his leg over and pull, you know, and choke him. But when he puts his leg up, he puts it on the top rope. Mm hmm. And my. <laughs> And then he's like, oh, shoot, Mox is not there. So he puts, oh, man, it was just, I felt bad. It was just a mental error. It was just, just, just comedy. And, um, but yeah, like letting them go 14 minutes is, was just not a, not a good idea. And it stood out to me of a lot of, of a lot of reasons why. I'm like, wow, this is, this really told me a lot about a lot of guys here. 
um, about this match. So, yeah, it's, this was, like I said, if they would have cut it down to six, eight minutes, a lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of interference uh, with the you know, Phoenix and Pentagon. Mm-hmm. And I agree. Eddie, I agree. I think it would have been would have been good. But, you know, then again, we already saw like three brawls that sure, night. Or, sure. You know, so you're doing it again. But, like, maybe you cut back on a brawl early in the show to let these guys kind of have that kind of match. All right. The uh, uh, the number one thing on my dislike list, and, and I have no problem with video games. I really don't. It's on my list, I, too. I love video games. I've, I I was I'll, I'll tell you, I am of the age of having a, a Atari twenty six hundred, right? Like that was my first video game system, and I went from the Atari twenty six hundred to the Atari fifty two hundred to the Nintendo to the Super Nintendo to the Genesis to the PS one. So, I historically I am a video game fan, but when I see Rusev mm-hmm. or Miro, Miro. If, even if this is his, this, even if this is his personality, okay, I do not see a video game player who only cares about video games as anything but a mid card act. Now, some may say, well, what about Kenny Omega? Kenny Omega does that stuff in his real life. That is not his persona on. Uh, in New Japan or in AEW, his persona in AEW is a little looser than it was in New Japan. Like you know, we we we're, we're, we joke about his shorts and and his T-shirt a lot, but he's not on AEW with a controller in his hand. You know, like like Miro was playing video games. So it's just, it's not the fact that I don't like games. I think if you uh, if you want to connect with that audience, there could be a gamer character in wrestling who knows brazilian jiu-jitsu or something you know in the future but that's not who miro is i j- i want him to be like this world beater and so far i think he's been maybe the most disappointing act in the company from what my perspective or what my thought of him was going to be yeah you have this this potential a plus player um you know, what an athlete and what a look and it's just a real killer. You can really build up him and and as a challenger to Moxley or or whoever, anyone. I mean, he, he has this great credibility to come in and do something with him. And now he's playing video games at some park. With and I get and I guess that dude that was next to him is like some I know like, like, like we're supposed hard, to know who this like yeah guy famous is. video game players. Yeah. Oh wow, great. You know, it's like it's like we don't care about his personal life with video. He likes video games. You know, like, like, like if the NWA did a segment on Ric Flair and he's an avid coin collector, like we want to give a crap. We want to see him party with the ladies and, and party with the boys and, and, uh, you know, win, have great matches and live the lifestyle. We don't care about his hobbies. Like mm-hmm. who gives a crap, especially video games. I mean, that's just, I mean, I'm not, it's just, just stupid. This is ridiculous. I mean, this is like a you know this like a Vince man has to laugh at this like just like who cares like this this is why I mean granted I think they they screwed up they should have definitely went with Rusev Day and played that hot yeah, hand yeah. for sure but like maybe this is a lot of stupid ideas he comes up with and they're like no you know like 
I would say no to it. Like, come on, if come if Tony Khan should be like, no, dude, I want to use you as this the Bulgarian beast with our our way, and and we're gonna you know we're gonna build you up, and you're gonna be a monster, and we're gonna be a killer, and you know, but no, he's just a comedy act. Like, what a waste of money, what a waste of talent, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, what what's on your dislike list? I had the Cody promo on my dislike. Interesting. I just it's just because like they're setting up this dog collar match out of nowhere and it mm-hmm. drives me insane. There's no there's no reason for the dog collar to be in place yet. It's it should be just a match. And then he didn't really sell the beating he took from Brody Lee. He mostly focused on the mental side of it and but mostly Hollywood called. Right? And I'm like <laughs> whatever. I'm just like I this is stupid. This whole thing was dumb. And then the and then oh my god. Then the brawl. The brawl was good. I liked the brawl at the beginning of it. But then here comes Brandy had to give her a spot. <laughs> and Anna Jay had to get involved. And the job Well, yeah, they're they're trying to do two things at once. Here. Then the job girls got involved. And then Nyla Rose just laughing, like, oh, this is fun and goofy. This is <laughs> like she wasn't even being serious. And they were just taken away from the main damn issue. And luckily, they kind of went back to it right before the segment ended. But it was just too much. Too much of a mess. Like, just focus on the issue, which is Cody and Brody Lee for this damn dog collar match. Just because Cody has a boner to be his dad. And, like, it's like, dude, like, I don't mind a great dog collar match. I know it's going to be bloody and they're going to they're gonna produce a bloody match and, you know, and that's that's fine because I think a dog collar match, stipulation match should be, have some blood in it and should be violent, but build to it. There needs to be a reason. Brody needs, needs to be just avoiding Cody at all costs and narrowly escapes, but Cody always gets his hand on the, on the stooges and finally he challenges him. Why don't you step in the ring with me and let's, you know, you can't run anywhere. I want you in a dog collar match. Yada, yada, yada. Like, but no, it's like, why does Brody Lee want him there? Like, why does Brody Lee want him in the dog collar? Like, it's just, just yeah. This, this is one of those. Uh, that's exactly what I wrote. So I like his actual promo because I think there was a, um, there was some re- reality to the promo, and I think there was a seriousness to the promo. And you know, like you said, he's trying to, he's trying to be. Um, whether it's his dad or what he believes is a top star or, or whatever, he, he is he is very much trying to present that person. Which on this show, you have um, Moxley, who is very serious, right? He's a serious character. He's a little bit of a, a like a loose cannon, a little bit, but he's very serious. And so Cody's trying to be this professional, you know, this professional guy. So I think that works. You can have both as baby faces in that role. The problem with that I had with it was not in the actual promo, but much like you said, the, the build for this match is so backwards. And I feel like if they, I, I, I what I, what I, I guess what I would wonder is, is how far in advance this was booked because if they had this idea that Brody Lee's going to win this title and then Cody's going to chase it back, I think it's a great story but there could have been like small clues that could have led to this dog collar match. But it's almost like they fast forwarded like four weeks and then 
you know when does the heel ask for the the gimmick when he's the one who won the match so that doesn't make any sense to me and i i I feel like cody's there to try and you know maybe give some sense to it but i there's not there's not really any sense that you can give to this the way that the way that the story was told and you know i i like the different look like he's not the blonde he's got the black hair I, i i like the change i just it there just this match the fact that this match is taking place doesn't make sense and i think it just hurts everything around it because brody lee's been really good too like he you know we had talked about how oh you know he's the, the dark order they're this goof goofball team but he personally himself has been really good in that role um since they since he won that title but he and Cody are sort of both kind of taken down by the illogicalness of this match. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just like I said, I just think it's ass backwards. And it's sure if they had this plan to do a dog collar match, and then the the opportunity came for Cody to do that show. Okay, you don't need to rush it. You can, you can build it up for a good two to three weeks or four weeks, actually preferably four weeks and maybe do this match on the pay-per-view in November. We have like four weeks to that pay-per-view mm-hmm. or whatever it is, you know, or, or maybe a little more than that, but whatever, like that'd be a great special match. Like I'd pay, you know, that, that's the, you want to make people pay to see the special stipulation match. It's just straight up hot shotting. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm, and that's what they're, they're, they're still hot shotting a lot of stuff and, and they don't need a hot shot this. They they can build it up, you know. There's, Cody can wrestle in a few weeks of Dynamite versus the Geeks and and get wins. And and then finally, you know, like I said, finally he gets a hold of Brody Lee and he runs away. And then a couple more times. And now he, now he wants a dog collar match at the pay-per-view in November. Just like Greg Valentine and Roddy Piper had that, you know, classic, you know, dog collar match. He wants to relive that match. So Yeah, I hope he doesn't mess up his ears like oh yeah maybe he'll uh, maybe maybe uh, uh during the build-up brody would tack the ear and that would be part <laughs> of the story uh okay so the other um the other part of this is that oh not sorry not the other part of this but the other dislike that i had was um i'm, I'm already tired of matt jackson super kicking people no oh. That's right on my next list. <laughs> it's I just put stupid. That's from my notes. Stupid. I'm tired of it. Like, okay, even it's if let's not say, even look, heat, it's it's turn off the, it's turn a channel heat with him. See, I was I was thinking like it's 1999 Raw, where things would just happen for the sake of shock value. Like, mm-hmm. oh, here's a heel. Here, here's a baby face you know, doing this bad thing. Like, it's so unexpected. Like, we never saw this coming. It doesn't really fit their character yet. If they if they had teased a much longer frustration point and, and they had some clues, and I'm not talking about BTE. Some people are going to say, oh, what about BTE? It, it, it's not canon for me if I don't see it on the, the TV station that pays them millions of dollars. It, like like if there were clues that led them to this direction that I really thought uh, that 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 was really smart, then okay, like some of this maybe makes sense. But I don't know. There's another. This is another one for me where I'm just like, are are we just trying to swerve people? Like, what are we trying to do here? I the the thing that I hope is that you know you you've noticed that Nick has not been on TV for the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying anything because I don't know anything. 
But if there is whatever is going on, I, I, I'm, I'm just hoping like this is just like, OK, until Nick gets back, this is what we're having Matt do because we don't know what's going on. So maybe this wasn't like a long term plan. This is like, up oh, something happened. We got to we have to do something with Matt to try to build heat. This is what we're going to have him do until Nick comes back. It's not building heat. It's building just turn a channel. It's like I as the weeks go by, man, less and less interest in the FTR versus Young Bucks match for me. Just, just less and less. And this, this was just a stupid segment. And Jim Ross trying to act like he was mad about it was, was sad to see. He's like, he even didn't he, call him a son of a bitch. Like he called Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was. He's just. He was just going through the motions here. Like he, he, he hated this. He could tell he he hated this segment and and um, he tried to feed Excalibur something who botched it. So, yeah, this is bad, bad segment all around. All right, what else is on your dislikes list? Oh, Chris Jericho, Isaiah Cassidy. God, this match was so bad and unnecessary, long. 11 minutes, just 11 minutes of trying to put over Jericho's ego, trying to have a, I could have a great match at anyone. Well, this wasn't great. And, and it's unnecessary because really, what are you building Isaiah Cassie for? You're not going to build anything around this guy. You're not going to main event him in the future. I mean, unless he changes his look and, you know, did something else. He just, it's just, this, the performance was, wasn't the best. And I just really wish that it would have been shorter and more decisive for Chris Jericho. I thought the brawl with Luther and, Serpentor, whatever his name is, like was just out of nowhere. But you know, course for his thirtieth match anniversary match, he wants against Luther. He probably had his first match, I guess. I'm guessing that's what really happened. And you know, and um, so now they're going to build a tag match. But like, why isn't the referee jumping down and admonishing the? Why is anyone trying to break this up? It's just like a big brawl. And and Luther is a Serpentor. or what's his name, Ser- Serpentico, whatever the hell. Which is is that a mini's name? Like, like. They just stood out there and watched the rest of the match. Like they didn't like get kicked out. It was just, it was just so, so goofy. And um, so, yeah, l- l- let's let's say that you know they knew that they were doing this Jericho thing, and you know I, I probably I had heard maybe two weeks before they announced it this Jericho mm-hmm. anniversary show. So you know that was at least a month. I have we seen Doctor Luther <laughs> like. I don't remember seeing him last week. Was he in the crowd last week for the same no, he reason? He just usually points to his eye, you know, his his his, his uh, third eye. He just points that at ringside, you know. But they they could off. have like teased this beef, right? They could have teased like this, sto- like because except for us, like who even knows that they, mm-hmm. you know, that they are friends or that they wrestled back in the day, like. I, I just don't understand the storytelling aspect to the fans uh, who aren't following as closely as, as maybe we have. And, and look, maybe it's on BTE, which I just said oh, doesn't God. count. But um, but yeah, so I, I, I agree with you. I, I didn't think it was good. I didn't think it was necessarily bad. I just was kind of bored. Um, so this wasn't on my list. But yeah, the, the part where they are now going to have a match next week, I, I didn't get that at all. I didn't like, understand that at all. It could have been something so simple as Jericho beats Isaiah Cassie convincingly. And the the the, the 
inner circle have a big old celebration like they like like they beat him convincingly and they celebrate like like he just won the world title the double title from austin and rock you know like they're just <laughs> they're on his he's on his shoulders and they just like yeah jericho right they're all you know just going crazy they're pop, they're popping the little bit of bubbly and everything and then and jericho starts talking about next week my 30th anniversary in this wrestling business who do you want to see me wrestle who do you want to see me beat just like i beat this punk blah 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 and then like on the video screen, there's just Dr. Luther, and he starts talking about the history of how they came up together, how he had his first match with him, and how he tortured young Chris Jericho to make him the man he is, and now he's going to torture him again, and or something like that. Some, you know, And then, of course, it has to be a tag match, because Dr. Luther can't work a singles match. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, like then and, and Luther could challenge, like, he be my partner, Serpentico, whatever his name. I don't know that guy's name. <laughs> And uh, and you know Serpentico? wrestle Serpentico. 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 Thank you. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And we'll wrestle you next week. And it, you know, because they're both tag teams, and you know Jericho and Hager have been a tag team. And uh, I, you know, speaking of Serpentico, I watched him in Will Hobbs on Dark. Mm-hmm. It was like sixty forty. This match was. It was oh, really? so competitive. Like, dude. Will Hobbs would just be just starching this dude, right? You would think it's just come on, come on, Tony, use your head. And um, but yeah, so I think they could have done something a lot easier than this, than whatever the hell this was. This was, uh, but we'll see how this match is going to be. I'm not really. Um, I think this match is going to go next week. Probably gonna be long, eleven eleven minutes of back and forth action. I mean, if you're if you're creating if you're creating this. Uh, celebration for Jericho for the heels. Something's got to come out of this, right? I can't. I can't imagine like this is just going to be a match and that's it. So hopefully, this Tyson? is just a a, 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 a a little bit of a of a of a placeholder for whatever that is to come out of it. Well, it has to maybe it's, it has to be someone someone that he's going to start feuding with, right? Would have to interrupt or I yeah. don't know who though. Maybe um, MJF. I guess, which we'll talk about later. All right. So, yeah. did you have any other dislikes? That's it, man. That's it. That's All right. What about list. likes? I really enjoyed this uh, Chris Jericho MGF yeah. locker room segment. It was really fun. I thought that was fantastic. Um, I love the dynamic between those two. I'm interested. I want to see where they're going. I want to see them work a program together. I want to see this being slow, mm-hmm. a slow burn. I hope I hope it's a slow burn, um, not slow burn like Young Bucks FTR slow burn, where it's just like I'm already I'm already on to something else, you know. So I want to see this uh, done right, and they're they're just fantastic together. And I love how the interplay with Sammy. And oh, I didn't have a jacket yeah, for yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you know, like just just great stuff. And, and even Jericho's like, "Hey, thanks, Warlord." Didn't say anything or something. Like, it's just just a cool, that's just nice, cool segment. And I really dug. No, this. I that's on my list. It's on my list too. My guess is that it's going to be on my list every week, just because the the by play yeah, is so it. good. And I, you got to imagine that MJ like. How good MJ, like, because MJF is literally half of Jericho's age. And so you got to imagine if you're Chris Jericho and you see this young kid who is just on fire, never missteps when he talks, always is on point. 
That's like raising Jericho. Like Jericho has to raise his game so that he does not get demolished by this dude. So that's also the part of it that I like is that if Jericho's not on his A game, then he gets his ass kicked in a segment that, you know, by this young guy. So there's a little bit of like a little bit of competition. They're working together, obviously, but there's a little bit of like, okay, he's helping me raise my game. I'm going to help him raise his game. We're going to do something really cool. And the fact that it's a long-term thing makes it, uh, makes it fun too. Yeah. 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 All right. So I will say I liked, cause this is a likes list. It's not a loves list. I liked, but didn't love the opener. Like there were things that I liked about it. Um, the one thing that I'm kind of wor- not worried, but I'm just, it's just standing out to me a little bit more is, you know, when we talked about Darby, like, I don't know, three months ago, we talked about him a little bit differently than we talk about him now. And I still think he's got the opportunity, he's still really young, but he doesn't feel as hot to me as he did when he was like facing Cody um, and earlier, you know, earlier in the year. And I almost feel like Starks has kind of replaced him a little bit in sort of like that who's hot on their show. You know, obviously we got Jungle Boy, who we didn't even see this week. Um, But I feel like Ricky Starks has kind of like maybe usurped uh, Darby just a little bit on, you know, who's out there and who's who's kind of a hot young character. I'm, I'm I mean. I think Darby probably had to win this match, but I was kind of like hoping that Starks was going to win because I just think he's he's got some momentum. Um, but again, I liked the match. I thought there was some cool stuff. I didn't love the match, um, but I, I, it's kind of fun to see two young characters get an opportunity to to do some stuff on this show. Yeah, I had this on my like list as well. I, I like the match overall. Um, I really like Ricky Starks. That guy has has it going on he's 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 something he's a he's a major player in the future um i was surprised at the finish i thought maybe there was they then this is, it mm-hmm. felt like a feud ender where i felt like they still had some steam on it that they could use this match to build up some more stuff you know with starks coming out on top um the the, uh, the moments i didn't like about this match were the brian cajun's it was uh, yeah it was almost coming out literally just to set up the match next week <laughs> Yeah, and it looked it looked like maybe Will Hobbs is late um, coming out, and also they had a really poorly <laughs> they had a pretty bad brawl. Let's be honest; it's just the, the way they were. Just, it just looked bad. I mean, um, they're not experienced at brawling. They don't. They they were never never really booked in many matches to brawl. And I know we had Will Hobbs and Rick Luxury in like a street fight thing, but. Most likely or not, it was he was just like a straight wrestling match. So they're inexperienced at brawling, and Brian Cage is mostly just doing spot matches on the Indies. So um, he never really had a, like a big brawling program or anything to learn from. So that looked really bad. Um, did you see at the finish where uh, Darby kicked Ricky Stark no, right in the head? No, I didn't see that. <laughs> on the top rope before the coffin drop, it was like he you know goes for the kick and just right in that freaking head. Like you know he's trying to get the yeah. shoulder and the chest. And just he's kind of reckless, really. And and then of course the the freaking coffin drop was a no picnic, right? Like that's that was a pretty brutal. I don't know how that, drop, but even actually doesn't ever feel bad. <laughs> like it just always seems so stiff, just yeah, as a move. Yeah, yeah. I know it's 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 tough because he's not he's not you know he's looking back, but still doesn't have like it's you know you know he it's instead of like placing it where your body kind of upper body hits the 
hits the guy, but your most of your lower body is hitting the mat first. So this is all straight right on Ricky. I felt bad, and his back too, which yeah, I just felt it was a bad day in the office for Ricky. But um, but Darby's just reckless. What like he takes like there's a, the cutoff spot where um, they're on the outside on the apron and 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 Ricky Starks whips him with his arm and 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 Darby takes that forward bump of roll bump off the apron yeah. to the floor, like. He like shot himself like a cannon. At first, I thought, well, maybe Starks maybe pulled him hard, and that's why he took such a bump. But it wasn't. It was mm-hmm. that was Darby's bump, and like he, why is he taking it on his hip? You know, like why do we try to? He was going too fast and lost a little bit of control of his body instead of just like maybe taking a more of a flat bump. So it's not you know, not as like God on his hip. He's a small guy. Like you know, he can't be taking too many of those and. He wants to expect to have a long career, so Darby doesn't need to be taking all these chances. He's over now, right? People like him, people love him over there. So, like, you can, can so kick back in your experience where you have someone who might be a little reckless, like Darby, in your in, in your words, do they also expect like the other person to just <laughs> be okay with it, like? Like how, like how does yeah like like, like if Ricky Starks was actually bothered by something like how would he actually deal with that because it's his it's his bump though you know what I mean like hey I want to do this I'm gonna do this thing off the apron you know please and it's like hey, it might be like hey you sure you want to do that he's like no, I want to do it well it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's your bump you know it's 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 on the, it's on the guy taking the bump and doing this the risk so um, it's management's job to kind of you know talk these guys out of something like that well of course once the bell rings and you know and the cameras are on it's on it's on them but like you know i would suggest like why would you need to do such a big cutoff from that spot why why need to be such like Mm -hmm. with the floor like you can you could do something simple and and still have a great match so but you know guys i don't don't, you know that's darby he thinks he has to do this kind of stuff that's my character that's me i'm the one i'm the extremist i'm the the risk taker but like yeah but this is also Wednesday on, um, you know, mm-hmm. September 30th. Like let's, and I know it's a, a big match in a, you know, in this feud, but it's not, you have bigger matches in your future. So why waste mm-hmm. your bump here where you, a big bump here when you do it later when it really means something important. All right. What else is on your list? Um, I like the, uh, FCRSU match. match. I thought that was a good, really good tag team match. The only negative though, what do you think the only negative is? Um, let me think. I don't know. I don't know what you what you're gonna pick. Christopher Daniels game. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was really stupid. Why? First of all, why are the baby faces doing a trip behind the referee's back spot, right? And why is Christopher Daniels getting kicked out when mm-hmm. the ref didn't see it? And if FT he's listening to the he's listening to the heels, the heels are telling him, "Hey, he tripped me, kick him out." And granted, it did happen, but when does a referee ever take anyone's you know word for it, right? I mean, the baby faces, but not the heels. Sometimes a heel, you kind of like you know, a baby face, you kind of like, oh yeah, I think he did pull the hair. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. You know, there's always some like a little bit of a doubt there. This is a stupid just to get Christopher Daniels out of the match because you're going to do mm-hmm. the finish with Tolly Blanchard, the old. The old Bobby, um, mm-hmm. Bobby Heenan, hold the, WrestleMania hold the Five down. Warrior and Rude finish. Yeah, I do that in that finish too. It's it's just pretty, <laughs> it's fun, fun little finish. And um, 
But like, why? Like, you could just had Christopher Daniels not mm-hmm. at ringside. You should have a reason for him not to be there. You could have shot a a promo that was filmed earlier today where the where SCU's talking about regaining the championship and how they're gonna, you know, and how they're gonna get to back on top of AEW and and you know both the men are have an iPad and and Chris Daniels I can't be there guys I'm so sorry I got some family matters to deal but you know and he gives them like this mm-hmm. coach's speech right like prove you're the best prove you're best you're not washed up you know you're the you still got a lot in you blah blah etc cetera, etc cetera, etc cetera. just something to say like okay Chris Daniels not here and then a whole set I didn't like the segment of Sean Spears either like like okay yeah nothing, he didn't do anything he was just to get him on yep. TV at that yep. waste time but take all that out. I really enjoyed this tag match. Yeah, no, it was it was excellent, and and you know this is why you bring F, F, uh, FTR to your company is because they are going to give you a really good wrestling match every week. And you know, I, I have I have a problem with a lot of the AEW style. Not not everybody. Like I really love Moxie's matches for the most part. I like Jericho's matches. I like Cody's matches, but a lot of the 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 sort of the super indie style uh, is not necessarily my cup of tea. But then when you bring in FTR for my style of wrestling fan, then I'm like, okay, like this is like what I really enjoy. So you get this variety of you know, there there are people <laughs> who uh, like our, our buddy Brady. Every time you know you ask him, what do you like about wrestling? His answer is like kick-ass moves like that is what excites him about wrestling right and so for me it's a little bit different like i i really enjoy the ftr style of wrestling match it's really smart it's really uh logical and they keep you know they keep their heat every every match until they, they lose the match, which when they when they do lose the match, then it's going to be like valuable. It's going to be great when they do lose because they've just kept it for so, so long. And then boom, Babyface is going to finally win and they're going to finally get one over on them. So I just love the variety aspect of that for people who, you know, who don't necessarily like that AEW style. You bring FTR in and go, OK, for you fans, here you go. You're going to get these, you know, 20 minute time limit matches every week and you just go to town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was, it was overall really good, really good, and it's you know it's great tag team wrestling. They, those guys are masters at it. They they know how to you know work with the ref and draw ref in and use the ref correctly. And I wish they had better referees, but it's a whole other story. But you know they 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 do they do a really good job. And and um, and they had two good guys to work with too, Kazarian and Scorpio Sky are you know one of the what better do you think teams about Sky? there. It, it felt like for a little while. That they were gonna, they were trying to build him up a little bit, and he did have that match yeah, they, for the uh, the TNT title. But now he's kind of back in the mix with the tag team. I, I I wonder about that like start and stop because I think he's so talented. That's the thing. It's start and stop. It's probably Tony Khan's, you know, um, being green as a booker. Like doesn't understand. You know, he thinks he might be. Oh, I'm I'm building him up, or I'm I'm, I'm giving him a, a feature, and we're gonna feature him. But like, you, you got to be consistent with it. You can't start and stop because people now he's back in tag team, so people are never gonna believe. You know, he's gonna be put in that position. You know, and then when he finally does, it might be you might want to waste that opportunity. So, um, you got to be committed to it. You can't. Just, I, I wonder uh, if some of up. it is that all of a sudden these new guys become available, and you're like, oh. 
I have to bring in this new guy, and that means somebody else I've slotted kind of has to wait their turn. That's got to be a hard thing to do, too. And really, maybe Scorpio Sky's singles run has already kind of faded out because he's had opportunity, right, versus uh, mm-hmm. Jericho, mm-hmm. remember, early on in AEW. Oh, this is going to be a this is going to be like Sting and Flair, right? It, you know, it wasn't. Um, it was a good match, but it wasn't. Um, didn't make him end up doing tag teams again. I think he won the tag team titles after that. No, I think he was tag team at the same time. So he was still involved in that. And then he had a, a shot TNT title and and um you know so what do you do like you do another are we gonna do another mm-hmm. segment of scorpio sky you know i'm gonna make it as a single now it's kind of like kind of over it right like let's, are you gonna be doing are you gonna make a run of singles or are you really yeah, gonna be in yeah, tag teams yeah. like two weeks later um okay so uh i think we are done here so just so people know what the schedule is um we will have a show usually we have a show monday morning that show I might actually push to Tuesday, just because we have uh, so Monday night to M- Monday night Tuesday morning. Just because we're we're gonna have so much G one stuff, I might utilize that time to uh, to get that show up and then tack on our uh, conversation about WCW Saturday night for October third. May just tack that on to a G1 cast that Justin and Carlos are doing. So may not have a show Monday morning, but there's been so many shows. I'm sure people are like, Oh my gosh, like this feed just kind of went nuts on us. Um, And then I think, like I said, I think there's like three shows in a row or maybe four shows in a row next week for the G1. So there will be tons of content The the takeover is this weekend. Um, My hope is that, I can do a segment on Takeover, though it's it's not it's not a done deal, um, and if not, jo- John and I can talk about it on uh, next next week. So, uh, you know, it may, it may not be where we have this like timely review on it, but look, like everyone, every wrestling podcast is going to have that. So if we don't have that, there's going to be tons of wrestling podcasts that that will. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna have a lot of content next week. Uh, John and I will be back Thursday. You will hear our WCW Saturday night segment on one of the shows next week. I'm not 100% sure, but just keep your eyes glued to the podcast feed. And yeah, and like I said, check out the YouTube channel. We will have that uh, UFC 253 review or recap with Justin Nipper, myself, and John Moxley. It'll be up on the weekend sometime on uh that channel so uh yeah so for everybody uh so uh actually not for everybody that's the that's that's the wrong uh i have have to do different intros and outros for wrestling observer uh radio and this podcast and i've never actually gotten confused on this one because i'm so used to it but i was about to do the wrestling observer radio outro right now so for john i'm double g and for uh, Justin and Carlos, we will see you when we see you. Peace out.